Randomly with Ronnie Jr. What's up? We are starting off with maybe a quick technical difficulty, but it's all good. Randomly, Ronnie Jr., we are on the podcast and we are doing it live. We're talking to Cyrus, you know, MTV, The Real World, The Challenge. Um, I would say one of the best to ever do it, but actually I shouldn't say one of the best to ever do it. I should say one of the first to ever do it because really people forget reality TV is a business now. When Cyrus started, it wasn't a business. Cyrus, welcome to the show. How do you feel about reality TV as a genre, as somebody who started so many years ago, and now you got famous people doing reality TV and making a lot of money? Uh, I think, you know, being one of the trailblazers, I think it's an interesting situation. Like, we knew it was something when we were doing it. We knew it had legs, um, but not like this. The kind of money they're, 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 they're generating now is just a whole nother level, bro. And... Um, I'm just happy to be a part of it. Like I said, when I when we started, we knew it was something, but we didn't know it was this big. And the fact that it's gotten to this, I remember, oh, reality TV is bad. It's going to go away. Oh, no. And they were talking. People like talk shit to you. And I'm like, well, Robert De Niro just gave me a hug <laughs> and uh, says he's a fan. I think we're going to be around for a while. And that kind of thing was going on, you know? It was a very different time. And when you look at all the stuff that you've accumulated since then, being on a reality show now, it's a dime a dozen. But when you were on a reality show back then, literally the whole world kind of knew you. You were popped into 90s pop culture. You had access to a lot of things. And you went to a lot of events and did a lot of cool stuff, which I'm going to talk to you about in a second. But what I want to ask you first is when I show you this photo uh, hey, of, of young Cyrus, <laughs> does this kid think... collar? <laughs> does this kid think... Like, was he shy or was he like, I'm going to attack the world? Or where were you at at this stage in life when you were a youngster? Bro, I've always been a honey glazed ham. I've been dancing for parties and folks since I was so little. Um, I was already a standout basketball player at this time, killing the game. Um, some of my records still stand. I think my high game was 69. Um and they didn't let me play the whole game. <laughs> like, I was just that guy back then. I, I had fun. I went really hard in everything that I did. And um, I, I definitely enjoyed life to the fullest, uh, starting at a young age. Yeah, so I was in a bunch of commercials. Um, <clears throat> Reebok, Nike, uh, Post Office, like so many different little, like, nicks and knacks like that. So, yeah. I love that because a lot of the people who do real world, they seem to have a story of like, oh, I just kind of accidentally ended up in it. I kind of feel like there's a little bit more honesty with you. Maybe it's because you're from Southern California, right? So there's always yeah. lights, camera, action around you. Always. I started I, I started I in radio and all of my colleagues tend to say, oh, I just ended up here. And I'm always like, nah, it wasn't that way for me. Like I literally cared about this blood, sweat and tears, morning, noon and night, probably very similar to you. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, coming up in Southern California is definitely, um, you have the bug. I mean, it is what it is. And and I did kind of fall onto my show, though. I don't know if you heard the story of how I got on The Real World. I wanted to know a little bit more, yeah, because at this time, had you left basketball? Like, because basketball was your number one goal. Well, it was it was after school. So okay. I finished playing ball. I was the first in my family to graduate from college. And so um, there were some opportunities to go overseas and play. 
nothing was set in stone, but they wanted me to go. And I was like, you know, do I go? And um, end up basically starting a, uh, a basketball league at MGM Plaza in Santa Monica, which is caddy corner from MTV right across the street. Mm, okay. And, and I made basketball video games. I don't know if you knew that, but I made like the March Madness franchise and I'm starring in two different video games, uh, the M1 game. Uh, and Street Hoops, I'm in that too, where it's my moves and my likeness. Long story short, um, when I finished doing that league and and making the video games, MTV had called uh, to work behind the scenes for Beauty Murray Productions. I met someone and they brought me in for an interview and I was going to be a casting assistant because I wanted to kind of go in that direction. I figured I got my degree, I'll get a job. All I want to do is make $24,000 a year, have some benefits, that kind of <laughs> thing. And man, it got kind of crazy, but I went in for this interview and said and did everything you could possibly do wrong in an interview ended up being the right thing. By the end of my interview, I told my life story. Three and a half hours later, I watched them laugh. I watched them cry. They went on the journey with me and, and they kept digging deeper and deeper. And it was like, at this point, you know, you're not getting a job. And I was like, fuck, getting up to get out of there. <laughs> you're thinking small, like, smaller scale. Yeah. yeah. They're like, no, 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 in tears. We want you to go on the show. And I was like, can I get paid? And they all laughed. And next thing I know, boom, end up being in the semifinals. Yeah. And then still wasn't down with the show, wasn't paying that much money. A lot of people don't know that, but it was paying literally peanuts. I've heard recently what it what it is, and it's just what you hear. I want to see if you got the right information. What'd you hear? Okay. Can I do a like a high or below? Let's say below. I don't want to say it because it sounds so insulting. Say it, say it. Below, below, okay, it's below 6,000. You know, and at the time, you guys filmed for about five months, so that's kind of crazy to say. Oh, yeah. we did six months. We okay. Six months, and I got so, three a week. <sighs> well, that sucks. <laughs> no, no, if you're me, though, you can parlay that Yeah. 300 a week into 25 years of touring the world. I'm sorry. 25 years, 27 countries, every state at least 50 times, mm -hmm. um, and over 4,200 gigs. And that's how you thought of it going into it, which honestly, I do understand. Because again, I said working in radio, there's been things I've had to do just for the look. I hate that it goes that way that you got to do things for the look, but it changes the game. So is Real World Boston a time in your life that it's like the, a big life changer? Like, what is going on the show feel like? Did you have any nerves? You say you're kind of a ham, always dancing, always life of the party. But did TV stress you out in any way? Of course, you're um, on the Real World Boston season. Um, how do you rate that with other seasons? And then, of course, the question everyone wants to know is, do you want to see a homecoming? Do you want to get back with that crew? Do you think everyone in that group would want to talk again? Um, I just want to know what you feel about the whole season and where it stands with the others. Well, to start, what's crazy about it, to start, I would say that um, it was a very difficult time in my life. And, you know, I, I always like to say this because I think mental health is something that needs to be talked about more. But I was at probably the lowest point of my life when I had done everything society told me to do and I wanted to do. And I've been a standout figure in my community since I was a young kid, like the picture you've shown. And I still wasn't able to find a job. I was shot down in every direction known to man. 
And I've been taught all my life, go to school, play ball, get a degree, get a job. It's that simple. It's that easy. That's all you got to do, Cyrus. And through the interviewing process, it wasn't like that. And I refused to just blame it on things, the powers that be. I didn't want it to be because I was black or because I wasn't well-spoken because I know I am black, but I was very well-spoken and I was definitely overqualified for some of the jobs. Um, and I understood this is important. I understood why some people committed suicide. Not that I was suicidal, but I was putting myself in a situation where it was like, if I'm this standout person having so much success as a child, excelling in every way possible, and I can't get to the next level to get somewhere where I want to go and I've been taught to go, what about the guy that doesn't have all these opportunities and options? I fell into it. I, I moved out of the house at 15 years of age. Mm -hmm. own ever since to leave the elements you know saw my first dead body at nine years old and it's all these things happen i knew the dead person too so like all these things are happening and i'm trying to navigate through this and when it comes down to it how am i not qualified for this job that you don't even need a degree for yeah no one is hiring me anywhere bro like it, it was a mess and when i started to understand that um I felt like I had a story that needed to be told. And when I got in that interview process, a casting assistant, do you know what that is? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. person that goes and gets You're talking about a casting assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Copy, casting producer, copy. all the things. I, Cyrus, I hate to break it to you, but I've done a couple of reality episodes myself. I know, I know some things, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Views TV, the, the VJ there. search. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't know though. So that's why. Okay. That. <laughs> You're so, talking to an old school, over 41 year old. So I'm with you on all this. Don't worry. <laughs> so how would you go in for an interview for a casting assistant have five people sitting there interviewing you it's weird right yeah it's intimidating yeah and that's the goal for them too but they asked me to go type this business letter and i pulled out my two typing fingers and pecked away in the computer room and i <laughs> okay. couldn't make the thing print i'm very technically unsavvy babe can you give me the charger computer's <laughs> gonna die now that i think about it um we're talking with Cyrus of the Real World Boston. Right. Of course, that's what we're talking about right now. We're going to talk about the challenge, all kinds of other stuff, and yeah. his new entrepreneur, uh, you know, things that he's working on too. But you know, you can't do anything without Bay, and you can't do anything without the Charger. So we're having a good exactly. time with, with Cyrus here. Um, so, okay, they're kind of taking you in. You're just giving them all the natural things, and this is what's making them see you as a different kind of person. So, so there was like, so after I came back into the room, 45 minutes later, after pecking away, she goes, she looked at me. She started laughing. She was like, we thought you left. And I was like, fuck. They're literally just having like a party. <laughs> and I'm like, and she goes, well, let me see your resume and what you typed up anyways. I'm like, fuck, I'm not getting this job. Mm. So I walk over and I sit down and I reached in my bag and I had three different resumes. One geared toward what I went to school for, um, communications, mine on child psychology. One geared toward uh, the jobs that I had done, which was literally just work with kids. And then the third was 250 things that I would do to make it. Oh, live. nice. And so I ended up pulling out the one geared toward kids. Didn't even look at it, handed her paper, handed her that. And she looked at it and she goes, well, tell me about yourself. And I was like, well, I went to school in Hawaii. I played basketball out there. First in my family to graduate college. And she's like, okay. She goes, no, no tell me about yourself. And I was like, well, I moved out of the house at 15. Um, it was a decision I had to make just because of the environmental distractions that were there. And I wanted to live. And she's like, no, tell me about yourself. And at that moment, man, 
I thought of all the struggles. I think it was my 38th or 48th interview that that's what I was sitting on. And I'm like, fuck, I got to get something. I literally was going to have a breakdown. I went back to the day I was born, which is a blessing in itself. Um, I was born on a dirt road. Uh, the ambulance gave out a gas. So the black communities had one white hearse and one black hearse, one used for funerals, one used for the hospitals. We were at, at a funeral and the white one wasn't there. It was at a church and the black one had been used and they decided to throw me in there. That one gives out a gas on a dirt road. When it gives out a gas, my, my, my grandma describes it as a bottle of champagne popping open. <laughs> I, pop, I pop out. My dad passes out. She does a swipe and all. You see the head is flat in the back. They lay me on the freaking thing as I'm out. And someone else is flagging down a road, a, a pinto going down a dirt road. They put five people into a pinto. There was already a person driving. We all mm -hmm. got into the pinto and drove to the hospital. They thought I was going to die on site at the, at the hospital. They cut the cord in the parking lot and ran me into the hospital. And so I started my story there and I brought them up to date just through my life experiences, which I'm writing my book on right now. It's called The Gray Area, Autobiography of My Life. But uh, as I go through all the phases, I'm watching the faces and I was like, thank God I was able to regurgitate my life at that moment. And I'm an advocate of sharing stories with people that are real. And since that moment, I've always done just that. I keep it as real as possible. And, and I think that it's very therapeutic to get out whatever's in you, good, bad, happy, sad. It's very therapeutic to get out, but I wasn't raised like that. I was raised the complete opposite. So it was a struggle for me to do what I'd done. You were raised, don't talk about mental health, but at the same time, you had, a, I guess, a near-death experience from day one. Yeah. So you have to compartmentalize that. And then you go to all these interviews, you're qualified, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of coming all up to the line to this casting person because yeah. everything is a full circle moment, really. Well, yeah. damn. I mean, you, yeah, yeah. It was a lot. So that's the hard part of the show, of course. And, and thank you for sharing so candidly. Um, mm -hmm. When you look at your cast now and see, all, you know, everything from fashion to how everyone's grown up and changed. Do you look towards wanting to ever revisit this experience or is this better set where it was in the nineties or does this feel like something like, you know, we got more stories to tell. We'd like yeah. to do a homecoming. Um, they're interested or, you know, and how does it rate? How does it rate to all the seasons? Did you feel like um, the real world was something you wanted to be a part of for a long time? And, and it was this like a, the, the high point for you? I just feel like we definitely have some more stories that need to be told. And I think with current climate of the world right now, our cast is the stereotypical real world, real cast. And if you want to hit on all stereotypes, you would definitely pull us out of the board because all of us fit into the stereotype, but we also have extended way beyond the stereotypes that we're in. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think the way they cast the show in the beginning, as opposed to the latter shows, you definitely have more of a real world cast with us. I got us all together during COVID on a Zoom call. Mm. Uh, the, the entire cast. Wow. It was amazing. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of different, should we say, personalities now than before. And everyone's definitely grown up. And there's definitely a family element that's involved. 
but also, you know, worldly views are so out there concerning our cast, I think, which would make amazing television. Um, the problem with our show is we don't have to talk about any topic. There are so many things in the whirlpool of our cast alone. Mm. Jason's has his own casting company and he's, you know, one of the only independent casting companies in Los Angeles. He's been doing it the whole time. I've worked on 40 something shows myself, but he has his own company currently doing big shows. Then you got Montana who has her own business and she's in, in um, acupuncture and chiropractic kind of work like that uh, in a very prestigious part of Los Angeles at that. That's a huge deal. Um, then we have, Sean, of course, the ex-congressman, yeah. uh, ex-friend, whatever you want to call him. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 news you see him every once in a while with with Rachel, and yeah, something. Yeah. That's that's another crazy one because you know I'm one of the reasons they're together. I got them together. Oh, I um, didn't realize. On the first challenge, uh, they were in L.A. and uh, me and Sean were friends, of course. So there was an event at Yacinda's house. And he's gawking over Rachel and won't go over there. And I'm like, dude, you have absolutely no game. He was terrified to talk to the woman. And I'm like, mm. me and Rachel have been friends already for, <laughs> for a while. So I had to, you know, kind of set that up. I made that happen. But uh, what do you think causes the attention that they get? And you said the word ex-friend. You feel comfortable saying ex-friend? Is there like an actual, you we just kind friends. of. We don't talk. Right. You know, my thing is like this. During a time of many big political things, TMZ is calling me to get my opinion of his views. Mm, now, nasty. I know Sean as the man, not mm. as the politician. These are two different things. Mm. One to me is reality and the other is business. And then at some point, you really start believing that shit. You yeah. Can't do it. They do whatever it takes to get the clicks. And that's on both sides sometimes, too. And it's all of it's pretty ugly. You wish people could be, land in a more natural space. I don't but do shit for clicks, bro. I don't, that, I, that, that, but, oh, you don't either? See, that's, I'm, that's me. I, I, and if I you, refuse. that means not going on the show, then I guess I'm not going on the show. Yeah. We just joked about to my, to my other half was, <laughs> I'm going to somebody in the throat to get back on the show. I'm just going to mm. first punch him on the throat. They'll bring me back. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on that's so not Cyrus. But it yeah, was I had to put out there. I even I even talked to, to TJ. I'm like TJ, you know, mm. what do I do to get back on? Like, mm -hmm. should we finish this fight that we almost started? Mm. Like, is that going to be the hype you need? I'm like, you know, because I like you, you know, I'll thump you in the forehead or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it is. He's going to um, make quality TV. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I, there are certain things in life that I can't put aside, and mm -hmm. if you don't stand for standard human rights. Mm -hmm. I can't fuck with you. Yeah. I don't even fuck with you, my mom, my best friend, my teacher, professor, whatever you are. If you don't stand for normal human rights, I can't fuck with you. I don't care who you are. And that's just it. If we can't put that first, and some of the things that have been said are just horrendous. And that's just, I don't, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. And in case you didn't know, I'm minority. My life has been threatened many a times by the police, unjustly. And then they tried to explain themselves to me as if I should understand. No, motherfucker, I don't understand shit. You fucked me up for no motherfucking reason. Yeah. So let's just keep it real. Just like 
here in Kansas. I got pulled over twice in 25 minutes driving with my uh, with my fiance or my other half. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't want to say anything bad about the state or this part of the country. But fuck, I had California plates and they pulled me over. I had my two pit bulls in the car, two cats in the car and me and my other half. And to get pulled over twice and not really have a valid explanation is ridiculous. But I've also been hogtied in my city of Santa Monica, where I'm from, two blocks from my house, accused of robbing the bank that I banked at for years for no fucking reason. I fit the description. Well, you body slam me. I see 13 rifles pointed at my head. And then you hogtie me. And I'm wearing all white. And the bank, the lady in the bank is yelling, no, no, he didn't do it. It's not him. Mm. And she gets slammed too because she's black. Yeah. Now, it's on the richer side of town. But at the same point in time, there was no excuse for that. And when I complained, the police chief was trying to convince me that I should understand why that happened because they thought. Oh, you shouldn't. Wow. <laughs> you should have to understand. <laughs> to make it even worse, yeah. I got pulled over. No remorse or anything. MTV, yeah. In front of MTV. Mm. Here I am, blinged out like I do. That's just me. Yeah. And I'm in my white convertible 89 Blazer on 38s had sounds in it and they followed me for like two miles and yeah. i'm like and i'm like freaking out a little bit called my mom at the time told her where i was at what was going on they got me to pull over and they they're they're i don't know if you know what it's like but i have guns pointed at my head again mm-hmm. directly in front of mtv and mm-hmm. they're yelling orders and i thought two things i thought one maybe i'll be safer because there's more people there two it's mtv maybe they won't act a fool because they know the media's right here they're yelling orders. I didn't even put the car in truck and park. I remember. And he's yelling, take your, take, put your right, put your hands out the window first. And he's like, and there's no window because it's a full convertible. <laughs> but he's yelling at me to turn the car off. And, and I'm like, I can't turn it off. It's not even in park yet. I'm still in drive with my foot on the brake because I'm freaking out. I reach over with my left hand after he tells me to. My right hand's out the window. My left hand's over here. And I'm putting the truck in park. And he's telling me to reach outside the window and unlock the door. <clears throat> so I do that. And he says, get out of the car and walk to the back. So I get out the car and I start walking. And he goes, no, 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 no. Turn around and walk backwards. I'm like, I mean, fuck. There's cops across the street. There's cops on the roof. There's cops behind me. And they literally are in position. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what in God's name? So I'm taking commands and I walk to the back backwards. I get there and he's like, no, walk to the curb. I turn to walk. No, 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 no. Sidestep to the curb. I'm like, motherfucker, this is the first time you ever said sidestep. And it's terrifying when you, you know, I don't know what they're thinking, but I get to the curb and the first lady come over and they, they get me to lay on my stomach first. The next person comes over and they literally tackle me. I'm already down. Mm. He's in my back and, and, and they grab my right arm and they pull it back so far. I mean, I'll never forget that shit. And they handcuffed my right arm to my right leg and my left on my left leg. And they didn't even set me up. They let me on my face for a while. And the whole building, everyone, all the employees are outside on the curb and I'm sitting there mortified. And it was out for about 10 minutes. And then they go, oh, uh, wrong guy. And you know what they were looking for that day? Probably someone completely different, but. Yeah. I have a white convertible blazer. Mm. That's how it doesn't look like a pickup truck. 
they were looking for a white or Hispanic man in a white pickup truck. Oh, damn. And like the moment you saw these black so, ass Yeah, no excuse. Never yeah. had guns and done all that. But they did it anyways. And my point being, I'm guilty before yeah. because I'm fucking black. So I tell motherfuckers all day, fuck the police. Mm-hmm. Fuck the system. It's bullshit. I got friends that are cops and they know how I feel. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Fuck that. Fuck you. Because something ain't right. And they're, they're not all bad cops. Well, if you're a good cop and you saw a bad cop do a bad thing and you did nothing, that makes you a fucking bad cop. Yeah, and we still have a problem going on regardless. So even to like uh, do the individual individualized, like there's a good cop here, good cop. Great. It's just talking about a problem in general. And, you know, even displayed on Real World Philadelphia, Karamo and MJ, like there was that little bit of an experience where I think it, it, it was the lack of knowledge. MJ's portion in this was he didn't realize that this is a regular thing. And once Karamo said, how many times, how many times, MJ was like, oh, it has not happened to me. The weird thing is, if it's ha- if there's a thing that is not what you're going through, why speak so boldly about it? That's what I don't understand. You know, so it's, you mentioned, you know. I just feel like it's, it's, I'm an advocate of getting to know people that are completely opposite of me. Yeah. I grew up in a multicultural environment. I remember the day I met my first Asian friend. I remember having tons of Latin friends. I remember having white friends from overseas and we all interacted. I'm still friends with these people to this day. Yeah. And that's what the beauty of Santa Monica was. It's changing now, but that's what the beauty was. And I'm an advocate of visiting other countries, seeing the fucking world. Mm. Don't think that this is it. Don't think that America's the only fucking place. Mm-hmm. Love it. I think it's the best country, all that shit, but it's got its yeah. problems. And we have yeah, and critiquing it, critiquing it shouldn't be like you're, you know, there's some huge problem. It's just there's these problems that need to be talked about. Mm-hmm. And when people stand on so far the other side and they're mm-hmm. not even walking in those shoes, that's what's crazy to me. And now you did kind of mention this story right after you mentioned some of the, the comments that maybe Sean or maybe Rachel said on the news. Did they speak on those issues? And were you, is, is that what you were saying TMZ was wanting you to talk about? They just wanted me to speak on some of his policies. Mm. And, you know, I, I, Jason and Montana both spoke on it, but I wouldn't do it. We were, right. I considered us real, real friends. And so I just can't, I don't agree with throwing someone under the bus just to get that publicity, you know, and they wanted it from me more than they wanted it from those two because we were really friends. And that's what, you know, it, it hurts me that he has evolved into having those views nowadays yeah it is is, and i'll be cordial um and hopefully we don't have that conversation uh but at the same time i want to have that conversation so it's a mixture of emotions but i can't see damaging anything and it's really odd to me because rachel is latin Mm -hmm. he is white and she's to my knowledge she was more republican than he was which I have friends that are Republican, but it's these policies and these things that they're yeah. saying about people that have fought for our country as well. Well, I guess I'm in the same boat as you where I feel like it just would be a, a very good real world homecoming because people are so different. And then you also talk about the structure and the fracture of friendships, too. You know, like you, you almost got to be like, how did you end up here? You know, um, <laughs> I, but that's the beauty of it. Like, yeah, the thing is that in the house the first day, I remember 
everyone wanted to go home after dinner. Motherfucker, are you kidding me? We're in <laughs> Bean Town. There on are day, on day one, they, 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 they didn't want to go out. No, there's 60 oh. in 30 mile radius, bro. When that camera is rolling, you go out. You go out. <laughs> Hell yeah, it's time to go. There's a and game. Like, you you got to play the game. I was, uh, I personally, myself, I was top, I was in the top 100 reasons why to watch television, mm. Rolling Stone, and I was like number 47 or 48. And it says something about my party antics and the way I get down out there. And that's what it, hey, when I was like, yo, anybody trying to go out? And that flannel goes up. And it was Sean. He was like, let's go. And I was like, boom. And we were so different, but yet we found some commonalities. Like the the, the athletic part of things with us definitely resonated. Um, the fact that he has siblings, I have siblings. Like we found some commonality and we became actually friends the yeah. first day. You know, that was a beautiful thing. Well, in that case, like I said, the homecoming, I'm watching season one, two, and three. Love them all. Yo, three uh, is got, fire, ain't it? Three is fire. Oh, oh we're going to talk about that. Yes, yes. That's my girl, though. It's like. Okay, I, wait a minute. So, yes, I think when he says that, that that's my homegirl, I think we're talking about uh, Julie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that who you're talking about? So, notoriously, or not notoriously, but like famously, Cyrus and, and Julie have been friends. Um, and, and this season, New Orleans, I think, is just such a great series. Um, I think everyone's bringing it, really. Uh, what are your thoughts on the reaction that she's getting? Because she's really throwing everyone for a loop. I mean, you guys did an Eminem music video. So you really know this girl. <laughs> well, we've done a lot. I mean, beyond that, we've toured through so many states and spent so much time together. It is crazy. And, like, that's not the person I knew. I will admit that she was definitely pretty – she was on the naive tip. Mm -hmm. um, but – you know, we were younger at that time. Um, one of the crazy stories about us, though, is that she was going to be on that 9-11 flight. I did Boston. see there was a E had ran a real world special or something like that. And I'm very familiar with that story. Um, I was you, the one that called her that morning. So when you called her after the news, what are you expecting? Well, she's notorious for missing flights. Oh, she would. <laughs> okay. She would. This is before nine. I mean, this is before that. So she would show up, cry, and they change her ticket. Mm. <laughs> Literally all the time. Not once in a while, all the time. I and mean, we okay. did, you know, hundreds of gigs together. And uh, my birthday's nine twelve. Mm. So I flew. Home. Oh, you're you're September. Yes, you're September of Virgo. Also, all right, all right. Uh, L.A. local. Okay, okay. We're checking some boxes. Also grew up in Southern Cali and also a September birthday. My birthday's on the 5th, Labor Day weekend, usually. Oh, okay, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like 41 and, and, and just getting started, baby. Just that. Gosh, yeah. I'm about to be 51. And by the <laughs> way, the I Am Cyrus is done. You got to put up my other website, which is uh, my other website is RZA Entertainment, LLC.com. Oh, okay. So I'm the one that does all the parties. I had to, I had to wipe the I Am Cyrus off. Someone's yeah. my Twitter handle. Uh, I can't. I can't do that. When you say parties, um, th this is like when you bring all the cast members together. Um, I guess you could talk about that. Talk about your throwing these parties, throwing these events, being a very dapper dresser for for one, and also, what do you think about this excitement with Challenge All Stars? I wanted to kind of ask you a bit ago too uh, what you thought of maybe like old school Challenge vibes, the way it used to be, and kind of how much more competitive it is. Um, but but nonetheless, give me your experience on being back on television, being back with this group of people. Does it feel different in, in any way? I mean, 
I would just say this. The, the cool thing about the challenges is that, um, you know, I'm used to, to performing on a high level. Um, I played basketball in college and the chance to go overseas and play, uh, be paid to play, beautiful thing. But you can never relive those moments unless you get on something like the challenge. Mm-hmm. And it truly is the fifth professional American sport. <laughs> my brother says that too. Yeah, <laughs> we we do. Me and my me and my brother are polar opposites, um, and we've been like that our whole lives. We're three years apart. Uh, however, we do a challenge recap uh, since season one of All Stars. So we've done nice. All Stars one, two, and now three. Um, and it's like this one bonding moment. And he used he used to say that because my brother's all sports, and I'm kind of, I don't, I don't really follow sports too much, but uh it's our one show that we get together and we just kind of like love the series and um the all-stars has been a treat a real treat can't imagine as a competitor too it's um i mean all-stars is real like for me that just adrenaline rush well it's two things it's like when you're coming together with personalities that have been through a similar experience and there's only so many of us Mm -hmm. like you consider the scheme of the world there's literally a handful of us that have been through this, you do have a sort of fraternity, sorority-ish family, <laughs> if you will. Very dysfunctional, but you have that. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't dislike anyone, if that makes any sense. I find something in everyone. And, and honestly, like, just conversing with anyone from any cast, to me, is an awesome thing. Um, and being 50 years of age, you're talking to someone that wasn't sure they were going to make it past 25, 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Just that mentality. So I'm truly, people are mad that they're getting old. I'm excited that I'm old. Well, you noticed when we did the show here, I said I'm 41 years old. I have such a problem with people not putting their age out there. And I will, I'll be honest to you with you. I have, I have definitely been put through my paces and you know, earn, earn my stripes in, in my own career, but things don't always go the way you want. So it would definitely be better if I was 41 with a little better of a paycheck, but just to say you're 41 to own it and just to sort of set that tone. I, I feel like we're doing a, a service for the next generation. Like you got to do that because otherwise everyone's going to try to fit into that 26 to 35 year old box. And I'm just like, nah, I'm a, I'm a keep pushing and I'm 41 and I'm fabulous. Let's let's get busy. Like, <laughs> I mean, since when you said that, because my 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 other half, <clears throat> he looked at my stuff and and she was assuming I was ten years younger. Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm in LA. For me, you never want to get older because you're gonna miss out on work. So mm-hmm. I call it my Holly. I was a Hollywood forty at that time. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So really, that's fifty. So it's ten years. That's just what we do there standardly, and. One of my boys called me out, mutual friend of mine, before we got together. Like, this was like, what? That fool's older than me. What are you talking about? And she yeah. was like, blown. I was like, look, I didn't, we didn't talk about it. We should have talked about it, but I have nothing to hide. Mm. And I just, interesting that you just said that, though, because it's funny to me that, that these entertainment meccas are different than the rest of <laughs> our country. The way they view age. Yes, yes. That's it's a, a standard yeah. thing, but it's like, mm-hmm. yo, I find the clock back. That's why I went and got got rid of my pony cake and got this six pack. Okay, now six pack side. I'm shutting it down. I'm dying to know that, and that's so good for your age too. Fifty years old at the best shape you've been in for years, or you know, at all. Um, a little bit of vulnerability I'll share with you because I, I definitely go through the ups and downs with the weight weight loss as well. Oh, wow. 
Um, yeah, and the picture on the left is actually when I was younger, and the picture on the right, I was older. And then I'm, you know, back, back to struggling. <laughs> wow. But I, I was going to ask you, uh, so I, I definitely sympathize and understand that just like re-transformation of the body, which becomes mind, body, and soul. The other part I wanted to ask you is how the heck you did it. But I wanted to say, is it one of these things where you started getting in shape and then you found love or because you found love, you started getting in shape or, or is, do you even know? <laughs> no, I was big. I was okay. My slogan was big side, baby. That's what you would say. Now they call me half a side, baby. <laughs> right. Um, we were, when we met, so how do I explain? She was giving me the Heisman for like a long time. Mm -hmm. I was getting one word answers from her. Like, hi, like, uh, no, maybe not today. Like that kind of thing. No love. And that's just not me. So problem with me is that my brand was side of the party guy. So mutual friends and just mutual businesses would be like, yo, you know, side, we're having an event. Want you to bring some girls through. So, it's not uncommon to see me rolling with four, five, six to 10 girls. Like that's just how I rolled. I would bring the party to the party and create more of an ambiance. So there was one party. She finally like agreed to hang out. She's like, Hey, I'm going to Jason's party or whatever. You should, you should come. And I was like, what? And my initial thought was like, Oh, you want to bring some girls? <laughs> she was like, <laughs> what? And I was like, just joking, just joking. The moment I walked in that party and laid eyes on this woman, there's a dance competition 10 feet from me. I grabbed drinks. We stopped. It was at the front door. We sat there this close talking for about three hours like this. Mm -hmm. It was crazy. I walked away going to my car. Never done this. Text, texting her already. I knew I was going to marry this woman. Done. It was a wrap. Wow. And um, when you do what I've done for a living, like you just know what you want when you want it and when it's there and she checked all the boxes times 20, you know, her, mm -hmm. her like my resume is thick, but hers is thick. You know, she was with, uh, she was in the white house for eight years under Obama administration. Oh, nice. Bonds. Um, one of her things, which was crazy. So there's a picture she posted on the beach on the computer. And I know she DJs and does music. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, dude, like our, our careers mesh with each other. We gotta be together. Mm -hmm. or behold complete opposite you know government she's the ivy leaguer um she's getting her phd she's defending it uh really soon and and she's just she boxes she dj like she does so many different things it's like i need that kind of stimulant on the other end to challenge my intellect and mm -hmm. uh, she challenges me on all levels she actually beat me in a three-point competition once it'll never <laughs> happen <again. laughs> But when I consider all of this, I'm like, what? Like, that's never happened to me. Yeah. I knew this from just talking to her and not even knowing all this. There was something about her that told me this kind of person is that person because that's you're being challenged for the first time in your life. Ah, that's a great story. Yeah. Um, you get with her, you know, you start getting close. I was where, big. where, you, so after that, you start feeling good about yourself. You're in love. And then no, you start going on like that. She okay. got a fucking six pack, homie. I'm okay, like, looking at right. pack, like, damn. And I'm looking at my pony cake. Look at the six pack. Look at the pony cake. I'm like, I got it. I can't. No, she's already oh. 10 years younger than me. I got to get right. I want to yeah. be around. You want to be around. Yeah. And one day, like we're both big on integrity. 
three years ago, New Year's in Vegas, we decided it's going to be our last drink because I would normally take off like a month at a time drinking and so forth and just not gig. We decided we're going to do it. A month turned into two months, three months, five months, six months. And it's three and a half years, exactly three and a half years, I think, as of yesterday. No alcohol. Anyone can do that, though, right? Mm-hmm. We decided to say no weed as well. Mm-hmm. So when you're from L.A., that's, that's standard shit. No alcohol, mm-hmm. no weed. Now you're doing both. That's huge. Now there's nothing that's going to set us off our rocker. We're going to be clear-minded in all doing everything that we do. And since then, we've added on no sugar. And so we only do monk fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have ice creams and all that stuff. It's just done the keto way and all that stuff. So we just decided to go all in. And, and, and she's been by my side doing the exact same things. And she cooks the stuff appropriate. I cook a little bit. Only cook on Mondays. I do meat plate Mondays. Mm-hmm. All meat. That's it. I'm not getting into all the spices and all that shit. <laughs> so, um, but she's quite the chef. And so she does all that. And um, it works out. Like anytime you're trying to do something like the weight loss thing or the getting fit thing, it's always easier to do it with someone. Yeah. And the other half. And so when COVID hit, we were just gorging the craziest of foods. Like it was, you know, why not? We got all day to eat. Mm-hmm. Hang out. My best friend. We got closer. It was amazing. And then I decided, uh-uh, got to get rid of this and get right. And so I uh, bought a 40-pound weight vest, started mm-hmm. doing five miles a day, bought a sauna suit, sauna suit and weight vest, and just started walking. And you're about 48 years old at this time? Yeah. And okay. I started uh, 40, 47, 48. Yeah. Just started walking and, 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 and staying active. And then finally it turned into a jog. And then it turned into mm. 10 miles and 15 miles. That's what it takes, right? It takes it takes the motivation, but uh, day, no matter what. And and, no, and now and stop burning yourself out. That I mean, I can't speak for it right now because I'm <laughs> I need to get back in shape, but I I usually try to run at my own pace, not run, but like anything that I do at my own pace because I hate burnout. I hate people who have to be Superman day one. I, I really need it to be something consistent. If if I want to do four days a week to start, I need to do four days a week. That doesn't need that doesn't mean day one I need to show off or try to show off, and then all of a sudden you know I'm not going to be there on the next you know Thursday or whatever. So See, step by step will always work, and that's coming from yeah. a former fatty or you yeah. know still struggling. But I I definitely you know had been up to 300. I'd been down to 180. So I know, you know, psychologically what that does for you too. I just think that's so great that it happened, dude, while you found your other half, somebody to challenge you or even hold you accountable. And then adding in the fact that now you're going to go back on television, which is an exciting thing, but you're going back on television to compete physically. And then up to the latest season, we're seeing you in the best shape. I mean, it's crazy. It's so fun to watch. It's very motivating. Thank you, man. I know just for me, looking over and remembering the thought of I'm going to have a six-pack. I'm going on with a six-pack. That's it. Yeah. And I've gotten only better since All-Stars. Like, it's crazy. But consistency, it's every day, rain, sleet, or snow. I remember training into going on All-Stars. I was out of – I'm not – I'm a creature of habit, so I'm used to doing it from home. I'm out here in Kansas in the Midwest – it's snowing outside. It's COVID. I got to get my workout in. Yo, I'm out there in my sauna suit, weight vest, <laughs> trekking through the snow. My beard, because I sweat a lot, is getting frosty. I've never seen this in my life, bro. I'm a California mm. kid. So I'm out there getting it. And I'm like, this is what it takes 
because a normal person would not be out here doing this. Yeah. And I by no means consider myself a normal person. I consider myself someone that's able to push beyond wherever that limit is and continue going in, in every aspect, not just this. And I always say it like this. Some people just want to win. I expect to win. Mm. And not just the challenge in everything. <laughs> so to me, life is a competition. I'm competing against myself every day, all day. That's what I do. So you were born for the challenge because <laughs> like, you, like, you take it to oh, basketball, you take it to your unfortunate oh. and, and scary circumstances, you know, some mm -hmm. of the stories you shared and you just want to like push through in, in some type of way is really yeah. what it is. And oh, that's what I'm we keep seeing on TV. Yeah. People, I don't want it to sound like I had a, a tough, horrible life. No, motherfucker. I loved every last minute of this shit. I don't look at the negatives and positives. I slow down, embrace whatever it is, good or bad feel the entire thing because i think we're here to feel shit mm -hmm. feel all the goodness all the badness and then get right back up to speed where i was going and that's yeah. it there's no i made a mistake that shit doesn't exist mistake is a word that was created this is a path that i'm on path that you're on path that they're on everyone's path is different the way you perceive that path will make you successful or not which is that's also it. another word that was created and so my whole thing is like don't put boundaries on yourself every fucking thing i told myself i was gonna fucking do i fucking done period mm. across the board there's two things left on my thing one is getting into a blockbuster movie period okay the other is finishing my book i haven't done those two things so now i'm in the process of recreating more goals for myself that make give me satisfaction not no one else fuck everyone else just mm. for me you know and that's what this is about i think i feel like we have to continue to push ourselves to progress beyond the normal scope of things. Yeah. And if we all imagine if the world did that, holy shit, better communication. That's for sure. Um, but you're right. We got to pivot. We have to pivot. And then we got to take those experiences and kind of regurgitate them back. I'm just from what you're talking about. I'm already getting the tease for the book, you know, so that'll be exciting when that does come out. Uh, as we wrap up here, I did want to just kind of ask, when you, when you think about the challenge and all these contestants that you're there with, um, are there any like best friends that you've been making or just even stories from being back with them um, and how exciting that experience has been? Um, who who really mean, stands out to you? Well, first off, I don't know if you know, but it's the Godfather's birthday today. <laughs> yeah, Mark. <laughs> Mr. Mark, it's his birthday. So he's someone that I started, I was watching him when I was doing my show, like, you know, it's really weird to be watching Miami Real World and the Road Rules while yeah. you're going to be on the same situation they're in. So me and him go way, way back like that. Beth is my girl. Consider her family. Like, that's my girl. Latarian's always been a good friend of mine. Um, Derek's and Nehemiah's, they're all friends of mine that I consider actually friends. You know, yeah. we had Derek's wedding. I think it's next month. Uh, this whole... Like I said, fraternity, dysfunctional family, whatever you want to call it, you know, I, I just feel thankful to be a part of it. And and I know I may not be the best at any of this stuff, but I'm a part of it and I have my 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 name engraved in the wall. You know what my you know what my brother said, like I said, we do the recap of the challenge. He he noticed right away that whenever TJ does his salutations with the person. Yeah. It's either <laughs> see you never or it's done with such a high respect. 
Um, yes, recently got a high respected, you know, goodbye. And then you did as well. So, I mean, even when you go through eliminations, it's, it's no one really wants to see that they want you there. Um, so you're putting your heart on the table and it shows uh, each and every time. I'm trying, man. Thank you. It's, it's like I said, it's not hard to try when you're being organic. Mm -hmm. It's when you're trying to fabricate something that it becomes hard. Well, I don't think the Challenge All-Stars is stopping anytime soon. I, I, I freaking love it. I like Real World Homecoming. I think Paramount Plus is making programming just for me because, you know, <laughs> I, stopped, I stopped watching the Challenge, you know, the regular season 37 and 38. They're good, but they're just, you know, a little younger. They're, they're not bringing, like, reality stars necessarily. It's like, you know, anybody. Uh, so this nostalgia and the character development of even the, you know, seeing everyone grow and have new lives and stuff is is really great um you uh mentioned mark all the cool things you've done um as i mentioned you did the eminem video and Knocked i love to know the fuck out huh yeah yeah <laughs> the fuck out <laughs> with julian puck i want you to tell me in a second um what other cool things you did in that like real world fame that you had but you did something that was very intriguing and mark was there too i think mark was on the road rules at the time and you were a a, a referee and it was with Kobe Bryant as well. Tell me about <laughs> that, that story. Quite, that was quite the gig. I get a phone call from Dina Murray, and they're like, oh, you know, I ran basketball league. So they're like, yo, we want you to come up and officiate this. You still have your stripes and whistle? Of course. <laughs> and if I don't, I'll, I'll get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm always ready. It's going to be a road rules thing. Man, I get there, bro, and um, I walk into the gym, fucking Kobe Bryant and Reggie Miller. Mm. What? I was like, damn. And, and Kobe actually said, hey, what's up, Cyrus? Me, me and family watch your stuff. Like, I'm a fan of yours. Mm -hmm. That kind of fucked me up. And I'm like, this is early <laughs> on in his career, but this is dope. Like, this is a really cool thing. And he signed the ball for me, which got stolen. I'm so angry at that. But it was quite the experience just to be a part of that kind of thing, to think that Buna Murray or, and or MTV would consider me for something like that. And I didn't even know what I was going to be doing at all. Yeah. I thought I was going to be doing something wrong. No, I'm doing a game with the road rules in real world against – these two legit Hall of Famers. Yeah, and they're excited too. Like everyone, everyone on set was excited, it looked like. Yeah, that was so much fun, man. I had a blast. That was really cool. But I would only say that I, I am the master of odd jobs, if you will. I've done yeah. so many different odd things. I don't know if you knew I was on Baywatch for, for three years. That was my college job. Um, oh, doing – no, doing what? I was acting. I had oh, – okay. Um, I had 13 speaking roles, I believe. I was up to be mm -hmm. the first black lifeguard, and I lost to Tracy Bingham. If you guys don't know who that is, Google her. She was Miss Black Barbie, like, that year, and there's no comp competing with that. <laughs> me, me and the Speedos was nothing like I her. I know who you're talking about now, because um, I remember. Yeah, no, she was she was quite popular in the day, yeah. Yeah, she was bomb. But anyways, so everyone from, from college knows or knew Baywatch and that. And actually, a couple of fans have posted – footage of that which i haven't put up yet maybe i'll put it up today because it's throwback thursday mm -hmm. but um for me it's just like people have called me to marry them mm. huh what i've officiated some weddings like that's just the weirdest thing to me but i've done all these really weird nod jobs that are out there and, and they keep coming the calls keep coming in and i keep keep taking whatever it is just to say i've experienced it and or i'm going through it you know, I lecture at colleges and universities all over the world as well. And I speak on 50 different topics, depends on what they book me out as. And so I'm one of the first people to start doing the tours and so forth. I don't know if you know, but I coined myself as the first black reality star. 
Yeah, it's on, it's on the Instagram, yeah. Just putting it out there again. So for me to think that I've carved this new thing out of nothing and, and parlayed it in 25 plus years is just a phenomenal thing. And, and, and I'm constantly trying to reinvent myself. And this is the new invention of myself. Like I'm, I'm Cyrus 5.0 now. Yeah. 50, 5.0. <laughs> You know, no, thanks. I'm super excited. What's what's to come? You know, it's a it's a, it's unlimited. The book. Um, you also started uh, a new podcast, and this yeah. is with a a comedian friend of yours. Um, how do you like the podcast space, and what made you want to get into it? Podcast is amazing. I've been on me to get into podcasts for a long time, and I you know it kind of wasn't my thing, um, but currently uh, I'm on the bill for three different podcasts. So this is my own expletive happens. I have another one uh, coming up soon that I can't really talk about yet. Then I have another one that I'm a part of too. There we so, go. You Get know. that ring or Spotify money. Do whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 also a way for me to release. So I need my release. I need my therapy on the regular. The one that I'm doing now, I have a phenomenal producer. His name is Walt. He was over at Warner Brothers uh, for about 27 years. And now he's in this space amongst other spaces. But it takes the thinking in of it out of it for me. I can just be talent. If yeah. I can just be talent sometimes, I'm cool. Having to put it together, structure it, think about it, nah, it's too much work. So yeah. I'm doing too many other things right now. And uh, that time comes. And the response is, is decent. I can't complain about that at all. Been offered a few things already up front concerning just that podcast. And I uh, have another co-host now. Um, so we brought in a, a third guy just in case, and we'll swap out every now and again. But the original KD uh, is a new guy that, that's that's on the podcast who's kind of bomb. We got one we're filming this coming up week. And um, some cool things on the horizons for that. I love the space, though. It's an amazing place to be. And you can look for me on all platforms. It's called Expletive Happens. So if you don't know what that means, that means shit happens, basically. And um, it's it's about comedy within the sports world, if you will. So it's like where sports meets comedy with a little bit of uh, crafty satire uh, of just life and current events. And so that's yeah. kind of what the podcast is. So there's a couple of, uh, they're both comedians. I'm the, I'm the reality head. They're the comedian. So I just bring the realist to it. You get a good team or a good uh, guest, it, it makes all the difference. With that being said, I'm glad you were my guest here today. I mean, this was, you You actually are my first real worlder. Um Thanks. I've been working in radio since 2002, so I've interviewed pretty much everyone under the sun, but not the real worlders. Real worlders are so different. They're like they're like extra special. Like a celebrity is like, yeah, it's a celebrity. But like a real worlder, it matches your adolescence a lot of times. You know, I was 20 when the Chicago season was on or back to New York. Like they just kind of are a mirror to you in a lot of ways. I think that's why people connect to you guys so much. But I thank you. Did you have any uh, last words about the challenge or if you're ever going to come back or just anything for your supporters? And we could wrap out right now. Right now, I can't wait for my chance to go on homecoming. You know, I'm, I'm packed, bags are packed, ready to go. Uh, also, I want to be on both challenges. I want to do another All-Stars, but I want to do the other version of the challenge as well. Um, that would be me ultimately testing myself on that next level. And so when I'm training every day now, I'm training for that. Um, anyone wants to check me out, my social media handles are all S-Y-R-U-S-M-T-V, Cyrus MTV, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat. What else is there? Twitter. 
It's always something. That. Twitch, Twitch is something, you know. Yeah. I'll be on Twitch soon. It's too much. It's too much, but they're all effective and they all make money, you know. So you, you kind of oh. got to be involved. I, I have workout, a, huh? With my workout journey, I may be doing something with Twitch. I'm working on that now. Smart, smart. Yeah. Yeah. Working out probably is more uh, a smart thing to do now than ever, because one of the struggles that I have with producing this podcast and the other ones I have is that I feel kind of like what you said. You just want to come in as talent. But when you're producing the whole thing, it just your brain kind of goes different ways. And I sometimes I'm like, I'm spending too much time on the computer. I need to be on a treadmill. So uh, let this be an early stage of and you saw the photos. Let this be an early stage of where I can go and where I'm going to go. I won't even say I want to. I'm going to say I can go. So. Uh, Cyrus, thank you for your motivation, your support. Um, I, I look forward to hearing all your your new stuff and uh, support this guy. <laughs> I do want to apologize to you for 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 how long it took me to get on and all this stuff today, and uh, the delay that we had because of my um, inconsistencies on my end. Uh, but thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come on and do this. Don't you worry. I was the one who didn't turn your mic on, so I look stupid. <laughs> but that's what they love about me. That's what they love about me. Lovable hey, Ronnie. Up. He talks a little shit, warm-hearted. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect, so I love fuck it. it. I love it. <laughs> Anytime talk- you need to come back, man, I'm there, brother. Just let me well, know. Let's do it. I'll talk to you another time. Thank you, Cyrus. And um, life is a challenge, and you keep pushing through, so it's good to see.